Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said in Luke 6 today, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. And you know, really, when we look at this, that's what the reading from this gospel according to St. Luke is all about. And even as Jesus continues on in instructing us as disciples, it's a summary of the Christian life. C.F.W. Walter, the first president of the Missouri Synod, said this about this verse. He said, No one has become a true Christian, a blessed child of God through his merits and worthiness, but alone through the incomprehensible mercy of God. For if God were only righteous and not merciful, no person would be saved. Not only is being merciful befitting a Christian, but to be merciful and to be a Christian can never be separated. All other signs showing that one is a Christian are void if the sign of mercy is lacking. And so it's both an admonishment to us, but it's also a great comfort to hear these words from the mouth of our Lord in this reading. And so from the get-go, we see that Jesus isn't teaching us that works save us when he makes these statements of don't do this or this will happen. He doesn't say if this, then then, but he says this, even as. And the context of this passage clearly shows this, that he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to his disciples. And he's teaching them about what it means to live as Christians who are in Christ. Because only those in faith can call God Father, even as your Father is merciful. And Jesus speaks about being a student to him, the teacher. That's what being a disciple is, a student. And likewise, then, this absolute absurdity that sin should be tolerated or excused when Jesus says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned, is also refuted. For sin to never be rebuked, to never be disciplined, for truth to be delineated from error, goes not only against the scriptures where Jesus flat out says, This is how you are to judge, but also against every institution and office God has ordered in this world. So a police officer who refuses to arrest a criminal should be fired. Any court which lets the guilty off the hook is no good court, and it's a detriment to our society. The criminal doesn't just say, well, you need to show me mercy. It would be utter chaos. And just look at the ramifications around us when we look at the world and what is promoted and encouraged. So a perfect example, we think of this thing of, that gets thrown at us, judge not lest you not be judged. A man thinking he's a woman, a woman thinking he's a man, thinking that there are more than two sexes. There was a a professor in Kentucky, of all places, who was just dismissed from his place in Kentucky. You know, we think of that as being kind of part of the Bible Belt. But all of this, then, is all under this moniker, well, you need to let me be my own person. But God's blasphemed in that, and evil is allowed to flourish. And it's not just personal decisions with everyone free to hold, but they go against the very nature of creation, very against the nature of God, the creator. So the irony then in our lives, when we look at that first aspect of trying to just dismiss these things, trying to justify sin and dismiss God's word, is that at the end of the day, that's very unmerciful, very unloving. And so God assigns offices in this life in order that mercy may be shown and justice carried out. So the judge who sentences a man to death does not need to ask for forgiveness for doing so because he exercises God's given duty to bear the sword as the government. A father who disciplines his child shows him mercy 
In Proverbs, we hear, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. That is, discipline your son and you save him from hell. And there's that old famous Aesop's fable that's to the effect, summarized, of a man being led to the gallows, a thief. And then his mother comes and speaks with him before he dies. And when she leans in to talk to him, he tries to bite her ear off. And weeping, she asked him, what did I ever say or do to you that would lead you to this state that now you're going to be executed for these crimes? And the condemned man responds to his grieving mother, when I stole the little things, you said and did nothing. She showed him no mercy in his life by allowing him to steal and live a corrupt life. And now she has to see, sadly, where that leads. So this call then of Jesus to be merciful is a call to something that's hard. And it's impossible apart from Christ. Because any time you start talking about mercy that you see in your life, you're a sinner dealing with sinners. And so in order for for you to be merciful to others, you have to know something. To show mercy isn't some abstract thing or idea, but it's very personal. You know what the person has done. It's easy for us to watch the news and distance ourselves from someone and see, well, that's terrible. But then it's another thing when it's been done to us or maybe to someone we know and love. So to be merciful then is to have that compassion on the one who has hurt you, who has hurt your family, your friends. And so then how this mercy is carried out, Jesus teaches us, is through forgiveness. And so it's in this then that Jesus says, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The warning of Jesus for us is clear, and it's no different than the rest of scriptures. Jesus teaches you that refusing to be merciful to your neighbor will lead to your judgment. Now, God's forgiveness is not the basis of your worthiness or merit, but solely on account of Christ. The problem exists, though, when you do not show that mercy to others. It's similar to what we see in that relationship between faith and good works and sin. Good works don't strengthen your faith. Good works don't earn your forgiveness before God. Sin, however, does destroy faith and separate you from God. Does that sound logical? Well, no, but it's theological. And God's mercy is that. It's mercy. And not showing mercy, then, is a serious thing. You don't earn God's mercy. But it's a mark of unbelief when you don't show others mercy. It looks at another person who has sinned against you, and it sees the work of Christ as worthless for that person, and it wants their judgment on the basis of yourself, and wants their condemnation even though Christ has died for them. So treat those who have sinned against you without mercy, and be prepared for harsh judgment on Judgment Day. On that day, God will reveal your sins before all, even your most secret sins, and you will become shocked at yourself, and shame will surround you. Walther, in his sermon on this text, he preaches bluntly. He says, if you do not wish to forgive your neighbor, if you refuse him the reconciliation which he offered, that is, coming to you asking for your forgiveness, this is a repentant sinner coming to you, and do not ask for forgiveness from him whom you have offended, 
If you do not want to go after your brother who has offended you in order to try and bring about a reconciliation, that is seeking this reconciliation and forgiveness. If you wish to let him continue in his sins and do not ask whether he is lost or not through his sinning against you, if you wish to harbor the thought, whoever has offended me must come to me, I won't go after him, then know that God will measure to you with the same measure. When you pray for forgiveness in the Lord's Prayer, God will not hear you. God will not reprimand your unknown sins through his Holy Spirit. He will harden you and let you hurl yourself into eternal ruin. I used to preach like that on, on a weekly basis. And so this is then why it's so important for us of what God teaches us being a Christian. Only in Christ do we truly show mercy to others. Just as we know that whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So only as a Christian do we truly have a new life worked by the Holy Spirit in the gospel. And so as serious as this is, what does it look like in our life? Well, we see that God teaches us in the reading from Romans 12, that third use of the law which guides us as Christians, informs us. St. Paul tells us, he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. So going through your lives, you show mercy to others as one who is a Christian. You live as God has called you in the stations of life he has placed you in those three estates of the church, family, and society. And so don't be afraid then to speak God's word when he has given you to speak. We sang that in the hymn. When we must speak, we must speak. Because we hear in Romans, what if some were unfaithful? Does their unfaithfulness not nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. There are times when we must speak those harsh words rightly, and, and failure to do so would be wrong. Jesus said in the reading today, he says, First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that you're in your brother's eye. If you read this text and the other accounts, at no point does Jesus ever say, well, since you have a log in your own eye, just ignore the speck that is in your brother's eye. He never teaches that, to let your brother continue in that sin. For that would, especially as a Christian, father, husband, and fellow saint, be sinful itself. But what he does is he teaches you how to do this in mercy. How to do it not in a spirit of vengeance, not in a spirit of spite, but as a spirit for your brother's well-being. And so a Christian speaks the truth in love. He calls to repentance. So to simply excuse sin and write it off as, well, who am I to judge? That ultimately mocks Christ. It mocks his word, which was revealed to you. So he teaches you through this word, then, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. 
So you, then, you don't just grope through life like some blind person, but you are guided. You're guided by your ears, the ears which hear the word of God. And so God teaches you that mercy is shown through forgiveness. It's overcoming evil, not being overcome by evil. And it's not with more or like evil, not repaying kind for kind, but it's overcoming with good, the only good that can truly overcome evil is Christ. So how did Christ overcome evil? By living perfectly obedient to the law of God and by suffering Suffering God's righteous wrath towards sin in your place as the perfect sacrifice. And seeing that, seeing him, you see there's God's mercy in all of that. And God's mercy has been shown to you. So as vile and evil as your thoughts, your words and deeds may be, as vile and evil as the thoughts and words of another in this world, you may not even know or begin to know what they have done. The Lord has taken all of that on himself. And he said, I will die for you. You rightly deserve to die. You rightly deserve to suffer forever in hell. But I'll take your place to satisfy God's wrath. I'll be your substitute. So that instead of the Father's anger toward against you, God will look at you in mercy. Thanks be to God, then, that God treats you and sees you in this way. In Romans, we hear, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for perhaps a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more now shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So you who have sinned against him, and all have except Christ, God forgives. You're forgiven. And in repentance, contrition, and faith, which we heard about last week, you look to him who is your salvation, not in a spirit of haughtiness, not in a spirit of deservingness, but crying out, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And confessing your sin, then, it's placed on your Redeemer, the one who makes atonement for your sin. And you see, that's the good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, which is yours in Christ. The one who had that cup of God's wrath, that he drank from the one who poured out his blood dry so that your cup now runs over and that's the wonderful thing that you see in this reading from luke 6 you rejoice in god's judgment because god judges you on account of christ and so your lord has shown you great mercy and in this life this mercy in which you live and have your whole existence you live in this and so to refuse to repent of sin To want to remain in sin is to love what is evil. For whatever goes against God's holy law, which is good, is truly evil, and it does reject God's mercy. It's to live in unbelief. But God has worked repentance in your hearts. He's worked faith for you to fix your eyes instead to Christ. To abhor those things. And to see that your Lord doesn't judge you on your own worthiness. That you don't want your sin held against you. That you know that you have no merit, works, or anything else about you that deserves anything, any blessing from God. But instead, in humble faith, you cling to the one who looks at you and sees Christ. Who judges you on account of him. The one who is this goodness and mercy. Which follows you all the days of your life as you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
one who is the Lord who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The one whose mercy endures not just for a minute, not just for an hour, not just for a day, not for a month or year or a lifetime or three generations, but forever. And that's your Lord. That's your Lord, the one who you call Father, the one who has loved you in Christ. And so as one who is a Christian, in all things in life, show mercy. Overcome evil with good. Because your Lord has done this, even though, even as he has redeemed you from sin, death, and the devil. Even when what men meant for evil, God meant for good, as we heard in that reading from Joseph. Joseph is a type of Christ. God has done it. His compassion towards you is in Christ for your salvation. And your Lord is merciful now and even forever. Amen.